Hello, this is Darren. And this is Paige. And this is Where's, Where's the, the lemonade? lemonade? Where we talk about what happens when life throws you lemons. Make some lemonade? Uh, maybe. Some weeks it's lemon squares. Yeah, some weeks it's just lemons. Yeah. <laughs> On today's episode, we're going to talk about fighting stereotypes and assumptions of blended families. Ooh, sounds like a good one. Okay, so it's been a while since we've actually podcasted. We've been in the COVID fatigue mode on our podcast, I guess, because we haven't been out of the house. We've been kind of stuck here with no new ideas, but we came up with some new ideas. <laughs> we have been, we have been, um, what, stalemate. What's that called? Like when Stagnant. You, stagnant. We've been yeah, stagnant. That's it. We've been stagnant. But hey, you came, you actually came up with three really great ideas, this one being the top of the ideas, and that is people have stereotypes and assumptions about blended families and divorced people. Well, and the reason I came up with this was because I was looking at all the assumptions that people are making during this COVID time. And so then I started thinking about the assumptions that people make of divorced people and blended families. And so then I thought that might be an interesting episode because- I'm guilty of it. Um, before we, I was a divorced person, um, I think I was guilty of making assumptions. We still are. Yeah, sure. Right? And we have to remember that sometimes assumptions are true, right? Sometimes stereotypes are there for a reason, but we have to make sure that we're not just always assuming that we are getting to know the people, the situation before we're placing judgment and assumptions on them. Right. Now, the the first blended family I ever knew about was the Brady Bunch, the Brady There's family. There's a story about a man named... Uh, yeah, you Mike. Mike? <laughs> Brady! No, a man named Brady. No, oh, sorry, Mike. we can't even remember. Think... <laughs> His name was Mike Brady, though, right? Yes. yes. Okay, so what's interesting about that family was they were both widowed. Yeah, which is very... Different, I feel. When they first wrote the script, that's not how it originally went. Oh, really? Yeah, I was reading up on this. It was originally one was widowed and one was divorced. Ooh. But they didn't think that would play well with the American people. Well, and this was supposed to be like this happy, feel-good show, and having an ex on the show. Yeah, that would. (laughs) That's not happier. That's not. Yeah, that does not lend to. Just this happy-go-lucky type of thing. So our whole perception of a blended family was the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Right? fun. Yeah. Look yeah. super fun. And when <laughs> our families came together, we made the Brady Bunch look tiny. They only had six yeah. kids together. We had 10 together, which is very different. Yes. I feel like people have not had that stereotype of a blended family or for a long time, though, that it's just this fun. I feel like that's, you know, no, in fact, something what, of the past. Yeah, what is the stereotype that most people think about blended families? We talk to our kids, some of our friends that came from blended families, some of our friends that have blended families right now. Well, let's back it up for a second and talk about the assumptions that we think people make of a divorced person, right? I remember when um, someone in our congregation got divorced before I was divorced. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, my ex started hanging out with this lady more and more. And I said, I really don't want you hanging out with her. Because, number one thing, divorce is contagious. You were worried that she would start hearing like, oh, and husbands are this and husbands are that. And, yeah. And jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. And you went through the similar thing where some of your friends, when you were going through your divorce, their husband said to them, I really don't want you hanging out with her anymore. Yes, it hurt my feelings so bad. But do you understand why? Yes, I understand. But it still hurt my feelings. Right. So is divorce a contagious disease? I, I don't know that I would say it's a contagious disease, but I do feel like it can get when you're going through something and you're complaining mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Maybe you're already having a hard time. Yep. It can definitely make you start thinking, you know. This would be easier than what I'm going yeah. through now. Yeah. So, I mean, I totally, or I feel like I could go the other way and you'd be like, you know what? We've really got to strengthen our relationships so that we don't go down this road, which, you know, could go that way. But no, it, that was super hurtful when my friends was like, I can't see you that much. Cause my, and I was just like, oh my goodness. But it's wow. a stereotype for a reason. Yeah. Because people that are going through divorce need someone to vent to. Right. Right. And that leads to spouse bashing, which is yep. never good, right? Yep. Nope, it's not. Right. So, all right. So that's one thing. That's, that's not every um, divorce is contagious. Not every person that's going through divorce is going to affect, infect your, your spouse. So. Of course. Of course. But it's some, yeah, but it's still something you worry about. I mean, yes, absolutely. It's true. Now, what's the next, what's the next uh, thing that we heard? Um, that we're not capable of love. It's very sad. <laughs> I have a lot of love to give. Golly. Okay. We, de we debunked that one because we're in love. And yes. Yes. That, and I... I would say that's a silly one. I mean, there might be a person that is is not capable of love, but I don't feel like divorced people in general should be, you know, stereotyped that way. Well, another one that we heard from a friend of ours was um, people would actually even said it to her directly. You weren't giving your husband everything he needed at home. Right. Yes. How awful to say to someone. Can you imagine? Yeah. That is pretty awful. Right. It's pretty awful. So that's a stereotype that. Yeah. That you're not meeting your spouse's needs. You're not meeting your spouse's needs. Yep. Right. Yep. And then how about another one is you're, you didn't take marriage seriously enough. Yeah. Marriage is just try. You just throw it away at. Any, right. Right. You didn't, you didn't take it seriously enough. Did you ever feel that way? That before I, you got divorced? That I wasn't taking marriage seriously no, enough? No, that or, people that got divorced weren't taking marriage serious. Yes. I especially felt that way. Like when I saw celebrities get divorced, I was just like, oh, please. They don't even, you know, blah, blah. They don't even care. They're just getting divorced. So it's yeah. a publicity thing. Or yeah, I, I did. I did feel that way. I did, feel, did I feel that way about, I could not have been more serious about my marriage. Do you know what I mean? Like, so no, I felt like that was. Um, well, then maybe you didn't try hard enough in your marriage. That is, that's probably the number one thing that people assume is you just didn't try hard enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And that couldn't be further from the truth either for both of us. Marriage counseling will fix it. Yes. Yeah. Obviously you didn't get into counseling. You didn't soon get into counseling soon enough. Or maybe you had a bad marriage counselor. 
Yes. Yeah, because a good marriage counselor can solve everything. <laughs> we, actually, lot... we actually like marriage counselors. Well, that's a lot of pressure a to put on the marriage <laughs> yeah, counselor, though. Holy cow. <laughs> Another thing that, um, all right, so uh, what did he do? Who messed up? Yes. Did yeah, he cheat on you? Yep. Did you cheat on him? Did you cheat on him? Yep. So one of you really messed up bad, yep. right? Someone messed up. Uh, is he addicted to drugs? I've heard that one. Yep. Addicted or to pornography. To pornography or yep. did he beat you? Did yep. he hit you? Then why are you getting divorced? Did she, did she spend all your money? <laughs> all did those just, things. Right? Yeah. Did she just, right? All those things. Yes. All those things. She, you know, so many things that people assume. So many things. But probably one of the, one of the ones that hurts the most when you're a divorced person or you're going through it is you're just too selfish. Oh. Yeah. All right. You're just so self-absorbed that you right. weren't able to give any of yourself to somebody else. Yep. Because marriage is about, and from my perspective, uh, marriage is about giving yourself to somebody else. Right. Um, giving up the, maybe sometimes the show that you normally want to watch. Right. Or, you know, giving up your sloppiness, like putting your socks on the floor. <laughs> Yeah. Or you need to give up those terrible habits. Yeah. It's being selfless is is a key to a successful marriage. So we've been told that time and time again. We yep. see that in our in our own marriage. Right. So I must have been very selfish in my previous marriage. Yep. How about you got married too young? I've heard that one too. Yep. You married too young and you didn't take enough time to choose wisely enough. Yeah, you didn't date long enough. Yep. If you would have taken more time, if you would have. Which, that one I think is hilarious. I mean, my first marriage, we were married 20, how long were we married? Just over 20 years, mm -hmm. right? I don't remember our marriage being a disaster that whole time. So I dated for a long time with her. Even though we didn't date that long before we got married, we still went on dates. We still, right. so I don't know about that one. Yeah, that's not a good one. But I've definitely heard that because I did get married when I was 18. And I did hear that one. And would you want your daughters to get married? No. When they're 18? No, please. <laughs> Heavens, no. They are not allowed to get married when they're 18. Oh, well, my God. Luckily, gosh. we only have one left that's Ooh. under 18. The others yes. are over 21. Yes. Well, soon to be over 21. Yes, thank goodness. Only because, and not because I feel like I didn't know what I was doing or was I too young. I don't know. I, I don't live in regrets. I don't live in, oh, I should have, could have, would have. Um, but, gosh. To just take some time to be yourself is, I, I do feel like is important. But am I going to, but am I going to tell one of my kids that, nope, that isn't true love when they feel like it is? You can't. No, you can't. When you're in love, you're in love. But let's just hope that the love comes after 20, 25, <laughs> 25 would be good. 22? I hear 22. 21, 22 is fine. <laughs> hey, all right. What about this one? Maybe you just weren't spiritual enough. Oh, yes. Or, you know, you weren't doing, close enough to God. Yes, you weren't close or, enough to God. You weren't doing the right thing spiritually. Because um, if you do, this won't, this won't happen to you. Yes. Right? Right. So people make all these assumptions when, yes. when they hear that you've gone through a divorce or you're going through a divorce. Right. Or, and the, um, probably the number one thing is, and this one is completely true, you failed. Well, that is true. If you divorced, you failed. That's true. Yeah. Right. And we could sit here and go, 
Is it 80, 20, him, her? Is it 40, 60? Whose fault her, is it? It doesn't. Whose fault is it? Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter when you're getting divorced. It, that, that doesn't matter anymore. Your, your family is broken, yep. right? Forever broken. And you've just got to move forward and, and put the pieces back together the best you can. But I remember, and I think I said this on, in an episode before, I remember my friend that I was very close with, um, I was over at her house and our little girls, our oldest were like three, four, and she used to let her daughter go play across the street to, with one of her neighbors that had a little boy that was the same age. And I was chatting with her and she was like, yeah, my f- neighbor, they're getting divorced. And she said, so I'm not going to let my daughter go play over there anymore. And I was like, whoa. So why do you think that was? I think she was making assumptions that there's, there's bad things going on in that home. And therefore, my child should not go over there. And at the time, I remember thinking that that was pretty harsh. But then when I was actually getting a divorce, it, it broke my heart because I thought, are my kids going to be judged like this? Are people not going to want their kids to come to my house? Because they think that I'm so twisted and broken that I just, it, it made me so sad to think about that she said that and then how many other people might think that. It devastated me. And that's why, right, we try so hard to keep our families together because we don't want these assumptions and stereotypes to be us at all. So I love, I love that story that you said, you know, we, we don't want our kids around broken kids. And there's a huge assumption right. that kids from a blended family or divorced parents are broken. They are. So why would I put my perfectly healthy child with a kid that's sad all the time, doesn't do well in school? Because those are other assumptions that people are making, that they're sad all the time and not doing well in school, and that might not be true. They are broken, right? We, we, yes. uh, we have broken yeah. our family, and we've broken our kids in some way. It doesn't mean that they have to live a less-than-life or a, you know, I don't know how to say right. it. So let's talk about all the assumptions that people, and it's not just maybe parents in your neighborhood. This happens at schools, at yeah. churches, on soccer teams. Right. And... um there's there's tons of tons of judgment that goes on whether we th- are thinking about it outright or whether it's just subliminal it still happens right so yeah so people judge us that we couldn't keep our first marriage together so you know good luck on your second and right? they may even assume that you know your new spouse actually broke up your previous marriage yes yeah. And you can thank Hollywood for that one because of all the movies where that happens, right? right? Yes, they may th- yeah, they totally may think that and judge you like, "Oh, what's their story?" right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're moving into a neighborhood of your spouse. Right. Into their right ecosystem, what's the right yeah. word, into their social yeah, group. Yeah, you're just inserting yourself into their life. Yeah. Yeah, that could be very there there's a lot of assumptions, but yep. mostly assumptions around kids. Right. Um, yeah, that like I, we just said that they're broken in some way, and they are, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad kid or an emotionally stunted kid. Or but that that's the first assumption. Yeah, people make, and right. we saw this in droves at school um, with our kids, um, and uh, 
Yeah, everywhere we right. saw this. That we're not a that it's just it. Oh, that's not a good family. Yeah. Right? Oh, we don't want to send our kids over there anymore. Yeah, that's not a good that family anymore. Happens. Or that we don't. You know, when our when your kids are dating somebody and they get serious and they, oh, what's their family like? Right? Don't you always ask that? Do they come from a good family? Yeah. Do they come from a good family? And what does that mean if they're if your parents are divorced? Are you not from a good family? And, you know, oh. Yeah. Well, even our kids joke about this. They said, we can't marry anyone that comes from a divorced family. No. I'm not even going to date anyone. No. Like, it's what a nightmare. But it, it, for, for our kids, it's because now we have four sets of parents to deal with instead of two. Yeah. In fact, who was it? Julianne said, it'd be best if I just married an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whose parents are both gone. Yeah. Because she had, she feels tugged between the two families. And right. we know when you get married, there's always that tug between the in-laws and your parents. Right. And, and now add another set of parents. And yeah. Yeah. So these are real things that our kids and we have to go through in these blended families. And so if there, if there's a real about. website out there called, you know, uh, hashtag date orphans.org. I don't know. Let us know. That's so awful to say. No, but there, that means that there's people that like our kids want to, to take, bring yes. someone into our family. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's, it's a good thing. We've got plenty of family for you. Come now, on over. There's an, there's another stereotype. It's called the Cinderella stereotype. Yeah. This primarily has to do with stepmothers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Go on. Go on. Well, Madeline calls you the evil stepmother all the time. I know. And I'm just not good at it. I try my <laughs> hardest to be the evil stepmother. She even has me in her phone as the evil stepmother. And she does. What's interesting about that whole stereotype is kids feel that way when, before you get married again. So they come in already with that stereotype as she can't love me. Right. Like she loves her own kids. She'll always put her own kids first. Yes. And she's she, going to be mean. Do, she, let this be a lesson to you. If you're going through a divorce, do not let your kids watch Cinderella <laughs> or any movie where there's an evil stepmother. You're going to traumatize your children. Notice there are no evil stepdads. <laughs> right? What is up with that? There aren't. Uh-huh. It's just the way it is. Yep. We're just evil. But yeah. But you know what? There's also a lack of appreciation for step parents in general. Um, yeah. and they are a key aspect to your children's lives. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate my kids step, stepdad a lot Yeah, because he does things with them that I just can't do. Right. Um, I'm and you're mature enough to be able to, to just appreciate it and to, and he, yeah, I, I've gotten mature enough. I right. wasn't always mature. No, enough. it takes time to be able to go, okay, they're having fun with him and that's hard. Right. And we even, we even started a step parents day. So the week before stepmother or Mother's Day, we have stepmother's day. Right. And they have stepfather's day. Right. Um, the week before Father's Day at right. um my my kids yeah. uh, other house. Uh, which is really interesting. And I mentioned that to someone and they were like, Oh, why would you do that? I'm like, um Because, because they're w- they're actually with them half of their life. Yeah. Like, exactly. And they said, They're just trying to stick it to you. And I said, no, no. They're trying to celebrate that there's another great adult in the right in, in their life. Yeah, which I think is wonderful. It actually. is wonderful. It so is. it it's funny because we all have these preconceived notions, um, and especially for us, that the nuclear family 
is perfect and that we want that and we and we want to keep that forever and we still feel that way absolutely that is what i want that's what i want for our kids that's i mean yes and it's sad that we weren't able to achieve that absolutely and i don't want our kids to feel like they can't achieve that but we can either sit and wallow in that sadness or we can try and make the best lemonade right. yep out of out of what we have absolutely even if we're the ones that pick the lemons right right and so there's some interesting statistics out there that, that we found about blended families, that they're sad all the time. These are stereotypes. Right. Blended families are sad all the time. No one's been around us if they think that. Um, blended kids have more mental illness. Um, blended kids don't perform as well academically. Yeah. All these stereotypes and research is out there that actually prove that these things aren't correct. Right. But what they found was it's not the uh, type of family, whether it's blended or nuclear, it is the stability of the family unit. So as the kids have more stability than um, those, they, they do better academically, they do better with mental health issues. Um, no doubt kids that have gone through a divorce are going to have depression, they're going to have some anxiety. Uh, built around that because their stability is gone. And, but what they found was as the stability has been built for them, that it doesn't lead to hospitalization any more than, than kids in a nuclear family, which I right. think is really fascinating. Hmm, interesting. Now, some other statistics that we found about uh, blended families are the number of blended families that are out there. Um, and this one's actually kind of low. It says 16% of, of children live in a blended family. I thought it'd be much higher. Yeah, that surprises me. I would think it would be a lot higher than that. But I'm glad. I mean, are there, is it just because people aren't getting remarried after their divorce? I think that's part of it, that they're not getting remarried. Huh, interesting. Right. Um, the next one is that the number, the percentage of blended families has stayed pretty stable over the last 30 years. Interesting. So maybe that is true that people just aren't getting married. Right. Because it is difficult. The other thing is that this crosses across all racial boundaries. Right. That is interesting. Right. Especially the success and the failure of these blended families, which is really sad. 60 to 70% of blended families fail. That is very, very sad. Now, we can understand why. There is a lot of pressure. Oh, good grief, yes. There's a lot of stress, tension. It's not just you and your husband making decisions. It's you and your husband and your exes and their spouses. And it's, it's complicated. Yeah. It is complicated. In a blended family, the best case scenario you have is for adults. Sometimes it's six. Yeah. Um, so six adults agreeing on a way to raise a child. Right. Because um, there's interaction between stepkids and kids, and it is a very complex um, situation. It is very. So our hats go off to all those blended families that are making it happen. Yes, because it's hard. It is a struggle to feel um, togetherness, to feel, I mean, you know, when the kids are at our house, we feel one way, and then they go, you know, back to the other house and we feel a different way when we feel gone. a different way. And you know, how, what are they feeling when they're at each house and how do you 
feel like a, you know, a together united family when, you know, they're coming and going and it's hard. It's hard because we just want them to feel our love all the time and it's tough. It is tough, but yes, hats off to blended families making it work. talked about all the assumptions that we see out there. So what can we do to fight those assumptions? Well, there's not a lot a blended family can, can do except to do their best to be happy and to be as successful as they can. So this is the advice to all of our friends out there that um, have people in their lives that are blended families. And we're going to demonstrate this by telling a story first. Right? I heard this story in business, or I can't remember where, a long time ago. There was this man on a subway, and um, a, a father comes on the subway with his four kids. And his kids are very young. He's got a baby sitting in his lap, and the oldest is probably four, uh, eight, eight years old. And the kids are rambunctious and just causing problems on the subway all over. And this man is just sitting there holding his baby, just zoned out to the world, uh, this father. So the man that saw this happen, he sat next to the man and said, boy, your kids are like out of control and judged him right away. And the, the father apologized. He said, I'm really sorry. You know, they can be rambunctious. We've been at the hospital all day. Their mother had just passed away. The perspective that the man now had with this father was completely different. Right. And he helped this father with these kids. These kids had all this bundled up energy they didn't know what to do with. So they were doing the best they could. Right. We make a lot of assumptions with blended families. And you do not know what they have gone through and what they're going through now. You don't know the pain that they're going through. You also don't know the happiness that they're experiencing. You don't know it all. And yes, there's assumptions for a reason because a lot of those assumptions might be true. But... You need to make sure you're getting to know the family, the people, the kids before placing those assumptions on them. So this is our clarion call to everyone yes. out there, both blended families and not. Reach out, find out, and just be there to help people. Um, this will make a huge difference, and you never know. You may find a new family friend that you never had before. And you may find that um, there's some wonderful people out there that uh, you've been missing out on. Well, and sometimes it's in this blended family situation, you feel like a pariah of some sort. And you feel, you feel everyone's judgments and assumptions. And to have someone actually come up to you and be kind and say, hey, you know, how are you? And be neighborly, be friendly. It's huge. It is huge. And you, and you may be afraid to approach them. What do I say to them? Say what you'd say to any other exactly. family. <laughs> say what, yeah, anyone else. Don't start off with, how is being a blended family? Right. Just make the. <laughs> Just make a normal conversation. Make a normal conversation. And, yeah. Okay, for our Lemonade Moment of the Week, we're going to talk about real lemons. Well, not exactly. We had an orange tree that 
there was something very wrong with it. And it was great. It had these hybrid. They um, were the weirdest looking fruits I've ever seen. Oranges is what we're looking They looked like a lemon slash orange. They were, and it was gross. It didn't taste good. The, yeah, they were really gross. So I bought a, uh, a blade for my sawzall so I could trim up some trees. And I said, you know what? I'm going to cut off that branch that's growing this weird fruit. So I found where it was at the base. I cut it off. And the whole top of the tree, when I pulled that out, the whole top of the tree came down with it. Yeah, I was still inside. I came outside to see, you know, how it was going. And the tree is gone. There is a tiny little stump. And I went, (laughs) um, explanation, please? Yeah, I ended up cutting the whole orange tree out because it was so bad. I just So you would think, this is really awful. We lost an orange tree. Well... The orange tree never gave any really good fruit out of it. It didn't. It was, it was, they were bad oranges. They were bad oranges. Um, but the good news is, is we took our energy that I just wiped this whole tree out and took it to the whole backyard and cleaned up um, our backyard um, dramatically because uh, we, our backyard is completely surrounded by uh, these massive trees. So our backyard looks beautiful now. It does. It actually looks really nice. And so. I got rid of those ugly, nasty tasting lemons. Oranges. Oranges. <laughs> if you like today's episode, give us five stars on iTunes, Spotify, Google. And head to Facebook and like us. And check out our blog at where's the lemonade.org where you can leave questions and comments. And uh, but most of all Go out and make some lemonade. You betcha, baby. Mm-hmm.